Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 23. Yes, 23. 23. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, another hiatus. Yes, my Thank- sincere apologies. Yeah, thanks to uh, Ben sampling the delights for Neapolitan summer. It was rather special, yes. It looked fantastic on the it photos. Was good. 35 bloody degrees. Not that I'm boasting. It's not what this podcast is about. No. <laughs> Although I will be posting all the photos on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Still annoyed that I wasn't allowed to come along. <laughs> you know, I don't know why your your wife... It's bizarre, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as flummoxed as you are yeah yeah, yeah. if you're I mean, listening you know, to this hannah I'm, yeah, we're it's not still in the back of my mind yeah. honeymoon shmoney moon yeah that's what i said <laughs> you know i would have left in the yeah. evenings when things get romantic i would have left yeah yeah, you yeah, know. yeah for about 15 minutes yeah 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 i'm not gonna you know watching critique i'm in no position to critique <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh this week uh asteroid city yes which will then prompt a broader discussion around wes anderson mm-hmm. uh not just the themes in his films, but also the stylistic element, which is arguably the most noticeable, noticeable thing about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. By a country mile. Completely, And yeah. is a big part of the reason why he has endeared himself to so many and has his fair share of detractors, yeah. in my experience. Yeah, I think so. About him. Especially more recently. Yes. I've noticed it's more recently yeah. people start to get sick of him. Yes, uh, so, which yeah. I can sort of understand. I think we sort of said in the in the outro of last the last episode... Um, that for me it's mood based um and i think for a lot of people that's the case with him yeah i see what you're saying actually i do see like you know you can be i suppose you could be really in the mood to watch one of his films but also equally there'll be times in your life where putting one on you just find it really irritating yeah yeah like yeah you just said bye to your dog yeah example, yeah not know. not an appropriate time to put on no. the darjeering limited is it <laughs> <laughs> Stick this on. Yeah, I've got the perfect film for you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yes, so we're looking forward to that. Mm. Um, In fact, let's do that now. Okay. Yeah. Questing the cinematic void. Right then, old Wes. Wesley Wales Anderson. (laughs) Wesley Wales Anderson. Um, So I guess the flow of the discussion will be thus. Yes. Uh, A discussion about him, Mm -hmm. as his presence as a filmmaker, how he sort of etched his own corner. Mm. In the sort of cinema realm. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very unique. Very corner. unique, yeah. Um, the stylistic choices that he makes and the way that he uses those stylistic approaches to interrogate certain themes, which are very typical of a certain kind of American filmmaker. So okay, we're going to talk yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about a few of his movies as well, Yeah, for okay. example's sake. Cool. Thread in a few of our um, viewer interactions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've had a yeah. few of those for this one, which is great. I did sort of assume that someone like Wes Anderson would bring people in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You guys haven't disappointed, so oh. thank you for that. Um, and then also discussion about Asteroid City itself. Yes. So then I guess when we're talking about Wes Anderson as a filmmaker, I think it's really important to think of him as someone that's part of this um, movement called American Eccentric Cinema. Yeah. So it's this collection of filmmakers, you know, Wes Anderson, probably, as you mentioned, the most um, noticeable, uh, or no, sorry, the most notable member of this group. But there's other people like Charlie Kaufman, for example, Mm. or to a slightly lesser extent, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. I'm thinking more like Magnolia, really, of Paul Thomas Anderson as opposed to now, maybe. But Yeah, um, yeah. And these are a collection of filmmakers that really sort of focus on these postmodern themes and ideas. Mm. If you think about Wes Anderson, you know, he uses a lot of, well, he mixes up a lot of 
um, eras of costume and decor, for example, in, yeah, his, definitely. in his set yeah. design, costume design. And framing it, as well. And framing, well, yeah. He's got his own unique style of framing, but he, he uses all aspect ratios to kind of hark back to an earlier time without mm. explicitly mentioning that time. Yeah, It sort yeah. of just cues you into thinking, oh, okay, this is the, from, from the 30s, this is from the 50s, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Asteroid City in particular does that. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, it, you don't need, to, you don't need a, a title card that says 19... 60 no. like it's just sort of there and that's how it's done and all that's how he does it anyway so yeah yeah, yeah. so Interesting. The, the manipulation of time through the use of cinematic techniques mm. costume design set design even dialogue yeah, yeah um but also the way that he utilizes that approach to talk about very postmodern themes like you know sort of that self-awareness self-criticism yeah. or a broader societal critique Okay. Through the lens of existentialist ideas, search for the for one's purpose, yeah, or one's yeah. identity, or, mm. or in, indeed wider sort of socio political issues such as consumerism, etc. Which he sort of touches on. I think I've read a little bit around that, which I think is really interesting because I've not really seen him as a filmmaker that's particularly critical of those things. No, I'm um, curious to hear your thoughts on that after. Yeah, that, because I wouldn't have thought that at all. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I was just sort of obviously doing research for the episode. You know Ooh. me. <laughs> you know, like that seems to be quite a common vein in his work, and it's funny that you know that that's something that obviously we've missed. Yeah, um, I mean, I thought like. I don't know something like the, uh, I actually hated this film, but that film White Noise uh, with Adam Driver, oh, quite yeah. a recent one. That was like a kind of consu- really overt critique, and so is the novel. I would consider that to be in a sort of similar vein in terms of being like having postmodern ideas yeah, yeah, as well. Hundred percent, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I wouldn't have got that from Wes Anderson's film no, personally. So no. there you go. But of course, at the, at the very heart of a lot of his films, too, alongside all of that stuff, are very sort of familiar and relatable themes: uh, familial dysfunction, yeah, isolation loneliness oh god yes yeah. so, social anxiety father figures yeah, yeah social yeah. anxiety so he's a sort of mismatch of lots of these themes and ideas but i'm particularly interested by that by that idea of this sort of eccentric cinema this birth of a generation of filmmakers who sort of eschewed blockbuster cinema's approach to narrative and theme and idea mm. and tried to sort of i guess set up their stall in a way that was overtly different from that yeah yeah I mean, you yeah. don't get much more different from that than the way Wes Anderson approaches his movies, do you really? Not really, no. I I, uh, I want to mention meat pre meat dis- pre meat discussion. No, we're not just going to be not going to be discussing meat <laughs> pre the meat of the discussion. I, I don't really get on with these films at all. Uh, I never have really. There's a few I like, but uh, we'll get into this later. But mm. I yeah, I think this will be slightly different from what we usually do. In that, like I will probably be absorbing the kind of ideas of other things that you've read about as opposed to at kind of actively talking about them myself because i can't find any of it in his films like i don't think i really don't think he's, he's i don't know why people like him so much it's weird um yeah interesting okay. sorry to kind of no 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 i think it's good to, to about, come, in, but, come in with that point so i think it'd be yeah. a, you know interesting for the episode for the episode sake really mm. in that you know, you're obviously not a huge fan of his work. No. And I think it's it'd be interesting to have your take on these things because I yeah. think, you know, when you know, when people are a fan, as as we've done that a few yeah. episodes about of the this podcast, you know, we, we obviously have a uh, a lot of similarities, a lot of crossovers in the films and directors we like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that tends to sort of turn into a love letter, doesn't yeah, it? A bit. Yeah. So it'd be interesting for the sake of. Hmm. Um, I won't shit all over him, but I I've been thinking about this past week, uh whilst lying in the in, in the hot sun <laughs> about like why it is that I don't get on with him um, and it's 
really interesting that the some of the things you discussed there i like it it went all of them went over my head like i couldn't i couldn't mm. get those themes and ideas from his films at all that's not to say they're not there yeah it's just something that i i guess i struggle to uh i don't have an antennae for it i guess I think um, in his earlier films, I feel like his earlier work is certainly more driven by the more familiar stuff, like the sort of social, the social awkwardness, the, the f- sort of familial dysfunctionality. If you think about Royal Tenenbaums, okay. for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know those, feel, you know that era of Wes Anderson. It feels more familiar and less sort of thematically inclined to be particularly existential in a lot of its themes or ideas or. Mm. Or sort of overtly critical about the dominant powers or consumerism, for example. Yeah. Although okay. obviously those elements are definitely there in the in his films. Yeah. Um, I think this sort of more sort of broader awareness has grown in his filmography as he's gone on. Okay. And yeah. I was actually surprised because I watched um, obviously watched Asteroid City about a week ago, yeah. but I hadn't seen French Dispatch. Okay. And yeah. I watched that yesterday. Right. And. I was sort of expecting to be really lukewarm on both. Mm. I preferred Asteroid City to French Dispatch, definitely, yeah. but um, I actually quite enjoyed them on the on the basis of what I've just sort of talked about. I feel like there's a bit more of a a, a broader sense of awareness as opposed to just isolating himself into these sort of tried and tested themes, which don't be wrong, mm. I think he does quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean... I can totally understand that perspective and I do think his art style as brilliant as it is and his clockwork camera work is yeah. beautiful as it is and has as as people that appreciate the form and and know what it's like to even make the most basic film the difficulties yeah, of making yeah. the most basic <laughs> film you can totally appreciate it on that level mm. but it is he, he he's not changing his style for anyone no and whilst I admire that I can completely understand why someone like yourself would find that overbearing and difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it also, it's not just that, but his characterization. I mean, the way he writes his screenplays, the dialogue between his characters, that sort of... So stilted. Yeah, that sort of almost sort of like bordering on, on monosyllabic yeah. sort of like... Um, Str- weird stream of consciousness. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, no social boundaries and no attention... To the given towards even establishing any social boundaries is just like they're saying what they're thinking and yet I can't ever find any emotion in any of it like I, it, and for me it just makes it sound it sounds insincere to me and that's one of the problems I have with him like there's some there's like a veneer of insincerity about a lot of his characters um and it ends up I just find them annoying <laughs> like a lot of a lot of this podcast is going to be me saying yeah I find it annoying yeah. I don't know I, and um, yeah but I, I, at the same time it is difficult not to appreciate what he's trying to do for me yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and what and again as you mentioned the camera work is undeniably amazing I, I think it gets I think it's too much I think he uses the same stuff too much but I mean, to have a, a, the command of that camera, it's just so kind of inch yeah. perfect. It's clearly really extensively rehearsed and very, very, very impressive. And very much driven by him as well. I think, mm. you know, I've read a few interviews of cast and crew talking about his process on set. Yeah. And he is like, he, you know, he literally measures like the position of the camera to right. make sure it's like right centered okay so right in the middle of every frame yeah and he extent you know he exhaustively plots out 
the, the, obviously all of the necessary things for his scenes which are yeah. typically quite dynamic a lot of movement oddly yeah, yeah even and, though it's not like it's like a stop start yeah it's, yeah it's not like dynamic in the sense that it's flying through stuff like kind of fast x or something it's, <laughs> yeah it's dynamic in that it's it, it's really really dynamic and then it stops and then something happens yeah and then, yeah and then it carries on again it goes on a dolly track and you're like okay it's on a dolly oh hold on a minute no it's not because it's panning backwards there so it is genuinely i do think it is really impressive and it's only got better as well yes no, I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think you're sort of right in in some ways, and again, I think not to keep mentioning this, but it it does sort of boil down to mood for me. Yeah, okay. I think both times, actually, to be fair, I expected more with Asteroid City to dislike it, and it won me over. Oh, really? I wasn't like I didn't come out thinking, oh, this is the best film I've ever seen, obviously, but yeah, yeah. You know, I came out thinking I am. You know, pleasantly surprised by how won over I am by this. Oh, I think right. his handling of emotional complexity has actually got better. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man, I, I thought Astro City was quite devoid of it. I oh, must really? have, I must have missed something. Or well, no, not I, at I, all. Like, like I say, I just don't have, I don't, I can't tune into it. I suppose, but um, yeah, I thought there was no <laughs> emotion in that film. <laughs> like, and I get, I, I just can't get past that. The there's yeah. something incredibly playful about his work, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. it's obviously playful with the genre, playful with style. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it's even playful with influence. I mean, this guy clearly knows cinema. He's clearly someone that's incredibly passionate about cinema. You can see the influence of French New Wave in his work. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. You know, you know the, those, those sort of dolly shots sort of just made, immediately make me think French New Wave, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Or... or German expressionism in the sort of ridiculousness of the set design, for example, the, yeah, you know yeah. the stylistic choices of the set design, and how much they inform the themes and ideas, or the other stylistic choices in his in his films, mm. or like just filmmakers as well, like Ozu. I mean, the way Ozu like frames like interior spaces and like a lot of his shots are like through like corridors into rooms, the domestic spaces, okay, and, yeah, like yeah, long halls, and then he sort of frames characters in doorways and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. You know that that all feels like so I can totally see that his his passion for cinema and the way he threads it into his own style yeah. I think is really quite interesting and quite admirable but I do think there's something overly playful I yeah. think he's playing with a lot probably to his detriment on occasion yeah I think you could you can see you might as well leave the markers on the floor for the actors presumably they get painted out there's no point like they you know you kind of like obviously you say that he kind of frames characters in doorways he obsessively does it it's almost like they're puppets and he's placing them or he's doing Warhammer or something (laughs) (laughs) he's just placing them in areas which are kind of really obvious so there's nothing to me I just think it it just there's nothing natural about anything and that that bothers me for some reason but um, yeah I think maybe being natural isn't really his thing no no yeah i think to me it almost feels like his films even though they're beautifully constructed in terms of aesthetic and Mm. the camera movement is always so slick it almost always feels like a run-through oh yeah do you know what i mean i find that quite there's something about that i really like okay yeah you're sort of getting really into the gritty of the artistic process which i think is especially important when you consider asteroid city which is about the artistic process i think the process of creation 
um, from an art, you know, from the mind of an artist, and sharing that with other artists, and then building, you know, building yeah. something out of that. I think that's one of the key themes of Astro okay. Two. Yeah, yeah, with the the playwright, and, yeah, and, and I, the old Academy ratio stuff with yeah, Edward yeah. Norton. Yeah, okay, I, yeah, I really feel like like that sort of works in that idea. I think a lot of his films have that feeling to them. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, no, I completely understand the cynicism. I mean, you know, like I say, I think as much as I admire that playfulness and that sort of almost roughness amongst the the sort of smooth nature of his, yeah. of his cinematography. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, there is a kind of weird, like, yeah, roughness about, like, even, I think if there's like a stone on the dolly track and it bumps it, he's not really going to care about that. No. He's going to care about the broad overview and as long as it gets from A to B, like, that's when he's happy. Yeah, and yeah. And I, I did notice that a few times. There was a couple of, like, reframes that were, like, almost perfect, but not david fincher perfect you know no, they're no, not yeah. post-processed stabilized and stuff like that yeah that he's left in some some grittiness yeah i kind of yeah. like that about it i was kind of there's a bit of life in it isn't it yeah I think sometimes yeah. when you're in the, the the pursuit of like having everything inch perfect can sometimes make things feel a bit sterile yeah oh man so, i'm going back to fincher i i, I love i absolutely love david that works fincher. for him though that's it does work yeah yeah because none of his characters are particularly nice <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it sort and of his does, color yeah. palette's always like dark green or brown yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but I I don't know. Like it's strange. Like because I was sort of gearing up for this episode to be quite negative about him. But after watching those two films and thinking about him more, I, mm. I don't know. Like he's sort of like he's one of those filmmakers to me that if I don't think about him for a long time, I'll just immediately feel this sense of oh yeah, like this negativity just creeps in about him. Then I watch okay. one of his films. I'm like yeah. oh actually, I do quite like you. Actually. He he. I, I, he... I kind of forget that I have enthusiasm for you i can see i could see people getting charmed every time yeah one of his films yeah. comes out people at work are talking about him people that i don't usually discuss films with are like oh do, do you like wes anderson mm. really awkward because i don't <laughs> and <laughs> like, um i like fantastic mr fox yeah and it is funny how he charms such a broad spectrum of people and that's um, the interesting thing about him like mm. if, if like if for people who work in creative industries or people that are artistically inclined yeah and that's yeah. not to say to, i'm not saying that in the sense that you have to be like a an actual like artist to yeah, appreciate his no, work, but yeah. people that seem to be creatively minded or you know he seems to have a real popularity with people like that mm. do you know what i mean like yeah a big, yeah you know, I remember when we were at university, and I'm trying to think, was it Grand Budapest Hotel that was out when we were at uni? Or was it for yeah, Dustin? that yeah. came out 2014. I yeah, think, yeah. So, yeah, that um, makes sense. I remember talking to people about it that were in loads of different, obviously, we went to a creative university. Yeah, so yeah. Everyone loved him. So it seemed mm. like he has this sort of. If you're of that persuasion, it almost seems like a given that you're going to like Wes Anderson. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's because of the height and style encourages like the most sort of like out there creative approach from all of the disciplines required to make his films. You know, yeah, like fashion yeah. design, set design. Mm. I think people will just appreciate that regardless of the quality of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you think that overpowers? the thematic intent of his films as someone that thinks negatively about him because you know I've say and gone, oh, he's a he's a postmodern filmmaker <laughs> you know, self self critique or societal critique yeah you know but is that justified on the basis that his style is pretty like overwhelming yeah i think so that's actually a really good way of putting it um because i can't get past the style like i can't see anything else in there like mm. i as much as i try and peer in like i Alfie has a good kind of analogy for Grand Budapest, and he's like, it's like a cake. And I'm like, yeah, but for me, it's like a cake that's too sweet. Mm. And I can't get, I cannot taste anything else other than sugar. 
and but for like him and also for Dan as well, who both like absolutely adore Grand Budapest, they clearly can taste something else in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But for me, yeah, I, 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 um, I really that is definitely one of the reasons why I, um, I, I don't get on with it. It's because I think the surface value of it overwhelms anything deeper. Mm. I um, yeah yeah. I mean, even with like Asteroid City, like. Even though I largely really enjoyed the film, there are a few exchanges and a few characters that just piss me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I can I can totally... When I say that I'm bowled over by him every time I watch his films, it doesn't mean my blinders go off. Yeah, The things yeah. that annoy me about him are still there. Yeah, yeah. And I actually didn't like Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest <laughs> Hotel that much in uh, comparison. No, yeah. I actually okay. prefer French Dispatch. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Which I know That's is probably not a popular opinion. No. And I'm um, not saying that for that reason yeah but no no yeah, you know course. but i just i don't know like i didn't really i i, I think his brand of humor mm. is funny in short bursts yeah and i think grand budapest hotel was more overtly an attempt to make people laugh whereas his style is more chucklesome yeah it's not really yeah. gonna like have you like crying with laughter no in your no. cinemas in the cinema seat and i feel like the comedy element of that film didn't really work as strongly as it does in his other films yeah okay. because it bursts briefly out from whatever else is going on then Mm. Then slips back into this sort of like quite childish, childish, quirky sort of yeah. And it works that way for me. Whereas I think leaning into the humour too much for me didn't work. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. It's interesting. I um, yeah, I really like Grand Budapest. Unsurprisingly, (laughs) yeah, Uh, I really, I, I still baffled uh, by that movie. Um, Which one of if which films of his do you like then? Yes. On the basis of what we've just discussed, mm. why is it they rise above all of your sort of um, grievances with his approach? Cool. Okay. Yeah. Moonrise Kingdom. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Great. Really sweet. A lot yeah. of a lot of handheld. I remember there being quite a lot of handheld cinematography in that, which mm-hmm. was quite a departure. Uh, there's a central kind of very sweet, very innocent rom- romance in that, which I delighted me to no end uh, to the extent where I could get past that horrible, that kind of like bizarre scout boy scout stuff i was i don't care it doesn't matter i don't care about that all i care about is these two characters getting to know each other on a beach or in a tent or something that i remember that rose above and also moonrise kingdom isn't although there are moments which he indulges uh like full-on to his style there are also moments where it is just quite nice and quite naturalistic um, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs are two animations. I liked those because I think you expect a certain style from animation. Anyway, you expect the color, you expect the rigidity, uh, and you expect everything to be perfect because you know you're literally creating a world from. You know, you're not going to locations, are you? Although I think he did record sound on location. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you expect that kind of. Uh, forced perfect stuff from animation and they, it's a heightened they, sense of manipulation isn't it that's exactly yeah exactly because everything is being created yeah everything. yeah yeah exactly so yeah. you can sort of forgive that approach yeah on that basis yeah I can see I've not thought of it that way but mm. yeah no I see I see where you're coming from and also there was a, a roughness to it especially with Fantastic Mr. Fox like you can see when the stop motion is moving you can see where people have kind of like moved it and there's they, they, like the fur kind of boils because it's different in every frame. I quite like that. Uh, I lo- I also quite quite like Rushmore because it's one of his earlier efforts. I don't remember Bo- Bottle Rocket all that well, but I remember Rushmore. I didn't mind because it's more conventional 
there's peppering again there's pepperings of like him being him <laughs> but uh i don't remember rushmore all that well either, but i do remember enjoying it enough to kind of think yeah there was sort of potential there and there's also like i think with rushmore it's quite obviously like there is something sincere about that character and he goes through a real arc it's jason Schwartz, schwartzman mm. isn't it and the arc is very sincere and very emotional at times and it's set in a re- in the real world, <laughs> so yeah. I liked that about Rushmore as well. Um, so there's quite actually quite a few of his films I like, but um, yeah, the rest uh, just no. <laughs> the rest <laughs> like shit. Life aquatic, life aquatic can really fuck off as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like go away. I don't, I don't, I've never really got with Bill Murray that much, even before he. The, the sort of allegations against I didn't really get on with him before that anyway so not a good start <laughs> um, yeah uh, not a big Royal Tannenbaum's person either and as we went as after the aforementioned Grand Budapest uh, I didn't get a chance to see French Dispatch although from the trailers it looked very 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 almost Asteroid City levels of control which properly put me off and yeah I never got a chance to watch it mm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I mean yeah. I think it's interesting what you say about Moonrise Kingdom about that sort of um, you know his sensibilities as a filmmaker and I think his approach as a writer as well suiting a tale about mm. young love yeah yeah about a coming of age story and I, I think it's funny I'd not really thought of it in that way but it makes perfect sense that yeah. someone of those sort of someone like Wes Anderson who you know who does sort of absolutely envelop himself and his audiences in that sort of quirky mm. off-kilter uh childlike wonderment I yeah guess. yeah it was, it's sort of perfect that it would have you know yeah. the two leads and it would be the story would center around a the, love story between two young yeah people. like the awkwardness faded away as they got to know each other and yeah there was something real in there and i loved yeah, that yeah. because before that was like you know the regimented boy scout what i talked about last time uh on the last podcast about people top buttons being done up all the yeah, time yeah, yeah, standing yeah. there like a fucking statue just doing nothing and staring into space like that 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 gave way to something really nice mm. and i love that about moonrise kingdom yeah i'm a big fan mm. i'm a big fan um i pretty much like most of his movies i'm not i wasn't the biggest fan of grand budapest yeah uh isle of dogs i thought was all right i thought it was obviously you know artistically stunning yeah, uh, I preferred Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I liked that. Um, I don't know if that's because it's sort of anchored more in my childhood, so there's a nostalgic element there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be a Cinder Boys episode without mentioning that word. Oh, no, God. <laughs> um, but I, I, I guess I think the film I want to talk about most before we we sort of go into the discussion about Asteroid City is uh, French Dispatch, which I know is going to be a bit difficult because you haven't seen it. But sorry, no, I no, didn't no, it's get fine. Chance, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I completely understand because I think a lot of people came away from that film a bit disappointed with him. And whenever I spoke, when I told a few people we're going to be doing a Wes Anderson episode, they said, "Oh, have you seen the French Dispatch?" And their face had like a, on the, you know, their expression was, "Don't bother." Oh right, <laughs> Do you know okay, what I mean? yeah, so like, yeah, okay. But I was like, uh, for me, like, uh, I don't know, like, I think maybe I was still sort of riding off asteroid city mm, okay. um but i sort of really admired his basically it's sort of an ode to people who commit their lives to the written word right so basically report you know reporters or okay so journalists, journalists journalism yeah, yeah. yeah um people who go out and you know and do these pieces about like a you know 
an individual or a situation and they mm. write about it. It's not just, you know, people taking pictures under the, sk- the Kerry Katona skirt or whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, actually, yeah. you know, that's not the kind of journalism. <laughs> well, at least I don't think that's the kind of journalism that Wes Anderson's um, no, yeah, um, I don't think championing. I don't think he'll explore that avenue of no, humanity. No, no. Although she was in the film. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> um, but, you know, like... She was in an Iceland advert beforehand, maybe. I yeah, yeah, in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he loves Iceland. He's a big shopper. He loves it. He loves it there. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah apparently, um, loves yeah. their volavants. Oh man, yeah, well, yeah. Him doesn't. and Peter Andre <laughs> hang out regularly. Volavants, just and yeah, just buy like fucking six packs of wagon wheels. <laughs> yeah, just sit, yeah, yeah. Sit. Wes Anderson, Peter Andre, yeah. and Christopher Biggins <laughs> in a layby off the M5. Oh, God, yeah, eating yeah. wagon wheels in a transit van. <laughs> Are you going to write that screenplay about what we do? He's like, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Might do. I'd rather, I'd rather hang out with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's an ode to that. It's people who go out and put themselves in these situations and, and then write these pieces about it. And it's not just about informing people. It's about sort of almost enveloping people in the life of that person. You know, good quality journalism, that's what it should be, right? Yeah, in, yeah, okay. In, in effect. And the idea is, is that would impact or move someone sufficiently enough to take a new opinion on something or or to inspire further action, etc., yeah. etc. Um, admittedly, a lot of that stuff is lost amongst the sort of quirkiness of Anderson's uh, work. Yeah. But it, it sort of splits each sort of foray into a different story by a different journalist into, like a, into vignettes. So it's like right, separate yeah. little stories. So, Bits um, in black and white, I assume. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah bits in black and white. But there's a really good one about um, it's um, Tilda Swinton plays like an art critic for, the, for this magazine, mm. and she goes and on a stage in front of people, of course, very much you know in the vein of Asteroid City or yep. Anderson in general, mm. um, talking about an artist who's in prison for murder, played by Benicio del Toro, and okay. he has a, a a relationship with the prison guard played by Lea Sedu. Oh, right, okay. It's about their relationship and him as an artist, the struggles of the artist, and it's very cliche struggles of the artist. Yeah, yeah. And the sort of way that we separate art from the artist, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I mean, Seydoux's fantastic in it. I mean, yeah. I'm a huge fan of her, so just, you know, um, her turning up sort of halfway there to convincing me that she's you know, she's <laughs> going to be good. But oh. she's, yeah, she's a solid performer. So even in a film that's sort of like... I don't think like in the, in the recent Bond films, you know. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's solid, isn't she? She's, she's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I think she's brilliant. But fantastic actress, and she's one of my favorite performers in this film. And it's about their relationship. My other favorite performance in the film is Jeffrey Wright, who was another mainstay in Wes Anderson. Mm, yeah, okay. uh, and he plays like a food critic, and he's talking about this really sort of bizarre. A situation where he goes for dinner with a chief of police and gets embroiled in a kidnapping and the food yeah. they eat at the same time. Okay. It's very Wes Anderson. Yeah, There's yeah. There's like yeah, an animated bit alone, in, the yeah, start, yeah. In, in, in the middle of it. Right, yeah, yeah. And Edward Norton turns up, obviously. Of course he does. Um, <laughs> but it's just something, I don't know, like it, it felt quite sort of... There's an overall theme from... I mean, I haven't seen it, but there's an overall theme from what you're saying there that does sound quite weirdly appealing. Does yeah, sort of make me want to watch it. Yeah, it's that sort of idea, like about sort of again, like enveloping the reader in the world of what this reporter is trying to share with you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, these reporters, there's something quite lyrical and sweet and earnest about that mm, in okay. a way that sort of works in with his style. There, right. there are a couple of vignettes that definitely don't work that are just like get over yourself. I did start to think this is getting really quite self indulgent now. 
Mm. Yeah, and Wilson one wasn't that great. Okay. Um, I, I know. I don't think he's obviously doing this deliberately, and it's. But it just you know he's playing to type too much. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I don't. And again, I don't think he. You know, he necessarily does that because the studio wants him to. Um, I don't think he's that concerned with what the studios want him to do. But no, I think he obviously. You know, has his ways and his approaches, and he's going to stick religiously to them, regardless of what people think. I mean, yeah, his films don't cost that much. It's always like twenty, twenty-five million dollars. So, yeah, they won't. There won't be that much studio interference, and he does. He does. They all make money. You know, like, as we said before, that crowd, like, man, yeah, they'll always come for him, regardless. Yeah. yeah, I think Fresh French Dispatch was a uh, was a bit of a victim of the pandemic, but uh, it must have probably made its money elsewhere. It's um, on Disney Plus. That's where I watched it. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Part of me wants to give it a go. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's just something in that. That sort of just journalists. And, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And 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 the sort of it is impassioned. You know, yeah. he, he genuinely, obviously cares about the subject matter mm. and genuinely cares about the people. And they've obviously had a significant influence on him uh, as, okay. as a writer yeah, himself yeah. and as as a creative. And I think that's yeah. something you feel in in the film. And it's quite sweet. Actually, oh nice. Okay. And I was expecting to be really indifferent to it, and there were parts I I was indifferent to. Yeah, yeah. And I've sort of skirted around my criticisms um, a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I, as I said, I do think there is something a bit self indulgent, particularly about French Dispatch. Mm. And there are there were things I was like, fucking hell, this is this is too much. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's the getting sort of, like even the story gets lost in it all. I think. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. It gets drowned it's out confused by confused by some yeah. of, some. Of, Asteroid City. I was like, I can't even really remember what's going on because you've done so much quirky stuff. Yeah, I'm getting really distracted. It doesn't help that it puts me off anyway. And I just kind of remember thinking at points, like, "What is this? What's this even about again? <laughs> yeah, what, what am I trying? To, where's the thread? What, you know, what, give me a rope to follow. You know, yeah, yeah, and kind of so I can find my way here. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine French Dispatch, particularly with you know, because vignette films can be quite tough to. Mm to have a sort of an over, overarching idea anyway so f- fair play to him if he's if he's managed that with at least some of them I suppose yeah yeah I mean I'm interested to know because obviously every director has a you know there'll obviously be a lot of through lines between within every director's work mm, yeah um, and some are more obvious than others yeah uh, I mean and it's obviously thematically artistically narratively etc etc or even down to the, the actors they use yeah, um, yeah how does he get away with it because he is the most overt example of it, yeah. To my mind, how do you? How is it he gets away with it when other filmmakers might not? Yeah. <laughs> because I find that really interesting, and I'm not necessarily saying this from the perspective. Because again, I'm you know I'm pretty all right with Anderson, but I do wonder like how much gas has he got in the tank before people start going come on mate something else now yeah yeah I, I, I mean I'm not the best person to answer that question because I thought his gas ran low ages ago um, <laughs> I, I really I'd maintain what I said last on the last podcast is I really wanted to do a horror film I've got an idea for you Wes a horror film idea set right you're going to like this set in Paris ooh Paris ooh, you like Paris France, don't you Wes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, get an haircut hippie yeah. <laughs> so set in 1945 just after the liberation of Paris right and there's a, there's a, a it follows, follows a German sniper and he's stuck in Paris and obviously the French have largely dispatched 
dispatched <laughs> or dispersed the majority of the uh, the uh, like the SS and the uh, German armed forces. You're stuck there, and it's a night with you and your friend who's been shot, and you're just in a room, and you've got to survive the night with a body. I don't. Know, I want you to do this, Wes. I want you to be the person to make this film that I've just thought of now. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I just want him to do something scary because I feel like the young, his framing and his kind of use of light, uh, especially the black and white segments, can be quite uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I really think horror will be a really interesting, unusual, uh, and a, a stab in the dark. Just something like tantalizing and just some new new territory for him to explore. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Don't worry, Wes. Like, you clearly. Your films, majority of them, do really well. There's a few exceptions, but just yeah, well, try studios, something else. Yeah, yeah the yeah. studios keep coming back for more, don't they? Yeah. I mean, we talked about this, and this is a bit of a sort of a stretch of a comparison. We talked about, you know, Marvel quite some time ago now, and, and their sort of refusal to 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 change things, sort of at least sort of narratively speaking, mm. because their model suits them so well, regardless if you like love them or loathe them, they've they've established it. Yeah. And yeah. then when they hired Chloe Zhao. Yes, who's more into these sort of like quiet, meditative tales about you know identity or yeah, know, yeah, or whatever you know. Um, and yeah. she and then they bring her in, and she's like, "No, no, I'm an Oscar winner. You mm-hmm. brought me in. I'm going to approach this my way." And they're like, "Yeah, okay, let's mm-hmm. give this a go. Yeah. This might please the critics." And it completely fucking backfired. L- yeah, largely seen as a failure. I haven't actually seen it. No, but, I'm, um, I haven't, and I'm intrigued. I might actually give it a go on that basis because I love the idea of just seeing that. Mm. unfold and and trying to get into the mindset of like the fucking money men at marvel oh um, my god yeah fucking losing their minds but you know for zhao obviously i think that's probably like she she's not going to be probably working in, a, in that kind of cinema again i don't think as a result of that no i i'd be very surprised i mean she'll definitely work again oh I she's think... a fantastic director and yeah, i think yeah. her flirtation with with the big blockbuster i mean she's not the first you know widely critically adored filmmaker to fail at a blockbuster film no not Lynch. at all <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah, yeah with Dune, right so yeah uh, to, to name one of many like yeah and i feel yeah. like a, it almost makes a director to have that yeah i mean i think edgar wright with ant-man almost yeah. went into that territory yeah yeah and um he, he was lucky enough to recognize the problems early doors and get get out of there whilst he could yeah 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 and um, but that didn't stop them from exploring other kind of established directors with like established themes and visual styles. Uh, and uh, it's a shame that they're not going to carry on doing getting them to water, the, water them down in the pursuit of yeah. yeah. But what I mean in the context of Wend Anderson, Anderson is that he's not going to have like a Chloe Zhao thing where he's like, no, no, you can't make this kind of film anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's going to be able to like. If he makes a, if he if he goes out, say he does make this, you know, not, German w- sniper movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I quite like the idea of, yeah, to be yeah. honest, and I can see why you picked that era and that, that for him because it'd be perfect for him. Yeah, um, if that fucking fails, then who cares? Like, yeah, I think I think he's right. got enough in the bank for people to go right. You've got you've had your dud. Yeah, yeah. Don't Get worry. another film of Wed Anderson with a berry riding around the seat on a bike again, please. Yeah, Centered yeah, yeah. Shots. <laughs> yeah, and if it does work, then perfect. Try something yeah. else again. You know. But no, going back to what we were saying about um, you know him having a free pass, I do think it is because of the meticulous nature of the way he does things, mm. the style in which he does things, and obviously for the majority of people, they they that fuses with his thematic intentions well enough. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think the sort of um, 
the sort of hunger for these existentialist tales, I think, only grows when things are seemingly getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Do you know I'm what I mean? And I don't yeah. mean to say that in a sense that like everything, you know, you know, I'm sat in a, you know, in relative comfort right now. So it's not, <laughs> but you know, like you know, things feel like there's this a sort place, of more apocalyptic yeah. feel to mm, things, and yeah. I think people turn to, you know, yeah, artists or filmmakers or writers or whatever people that. Are really good at tapping into these anxieties and these feelings or indeed that just that feeling of like uncertainty mm, okay. and i think maybe that's why the appetite of wes anderson is still quite strong yeah but the flip side to that is is that with, with the same argument regarding that is that there's also a sufficient amount of escapism too yeah, yeah. his films offer that escapism mm. and i think that you're right in the sense of when you said about you not being quite sure about the sort of deeper thematic elements of his work when you think about it in the context of escapism, it doesn't really fit well. No, yeah. the bright colours, the sort of monosyllabic character exchanges, mm. the prolonged periods of social awkwardness. Yeah, you know that is you know that facilitates that escapist element perhaps more than it does his 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 thematic intention. But mm. I think in both ways that might be both for both reasons. Sorry, that might be why people are drawn to his films still. Yeah, and yeah. of course the visual element. I think for some people that is just enough. Yeah, if you have a visual feast. You know, I mean, and I think that's quite nice in a way because yeah. I think in a world where people are getting pretty bored of like CGI, for example, or just expect CGI and sit in the cinema and watch it in, in a dead eyed fashion, you know, yeah, it's nice yeah. to see someone being at least fucking meticulous about real things. Yeah, yeah, very and, true. You know, Set design um, and yeah, it is all real and very tangible. And yeah. I mean, for me, there's it, a texture to it. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you said earlier with the imperfection, that's a texture. That yeah. is something to sort of like really it feels like more part of cinema yeah know? yeah not to get too scorsese about it but it, <laughs> you know it gives it a sort of energy a, a, mm. almost a life yeah that cgi for all of its potential brilliance and the hard-working people behind it can't do no it can't it never will either no matter how no. good it gets you'll always be able to tell i think yeah um it'll always be used by blockbuster studios in the pursuit of as much money as possible yeah, so it's always yeah. going to struggle <laughs> to attain that yeah and it's nice that as well, like, I mean, on the positive side of him, is he's got a lot of stars in his films as well. And usually mm. with stars and with, uh, yeah, with celebrities, the reason why a lot of computer-generated imagery is used is because of their schedule and because of how expensive they are. Mm. Whereas what I think Wes Anderson does is he employs their schedule in a really kind of tactile manner. Uh, he, you know, Scarlett Johansson might not have. She probably only filmed for a week and a half. It wouldn't have surprised me at all because there's a lot of scenes where she's not in it. And there's a lot of scenes where Steve Carell's not about. Mm, uh, yeah, know? yeah. And so he kind of doesn't employ a kind of post-processing method to get these stars on screen. He uses, like you said earlier, that vignette to to give you not only sort of a visual splendor, but also like the, the people that you like watching. Yeah, yeah, and in you know, in heaps as well. Like it's star-studded. Like a lot of his recent films have got absolutely jam-packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amounts of and people. people really like working with him as well. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. like he has like all of the actors stay in his own hotel. Oh, okay. and you'll hang out and have dinner together. I think he is very keen to sort of cultivate a sort of a family. Yeah, of artists. Yeah. That's not nice. all in the pursuit of you know this one thing in his movie yeah. or many things in his movies and i do like that maybe that's what bowls me over more than anything else that this i don't know yeah his process that is quite sweet yeah I'll give him yeah. That. yeah that is sweet i'd like to be for a, a wanker <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he got his cock out in waitrose in <laughs> leamington spa i'm gonna start that rumor wes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
okay, so we're talking about the idea of his style mm. and how sort of essential that is and how recognisable it is. Yeah, yeah. How does auteur theory apply to him? Uh, <laughs> heavily, because, heavily in his favour, I think. I think so. Cause, yeah, I mean, yeah. Every bit article I read about him, I'd already sort of had this thought in my head that if you're that distinctive, this theory, as you said, has to sort of mm. it has to apply to him, right? But yeah, every yeah. article I read about him, it was like auteur theory came up, and it wasn't yeah. even necessarily like real filmy articles. It'd oh, be right, like general okay. articles. Yeah, yeah. They would be like, yeah, like the auteur theory. They obviously to do that thing where they explain what the auteur theory is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they go, and Wes Anderson is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you, do you think that applies to him and the on the basis of oh yeah the stylistic I'm, elements and the thematic elements of his films yeah he he very very obviously has complete control over every single aspect of his films i mean that's not to say he doesn't collaborate and you know judging from what you said it's very clear that he he has a very positive working relationship with a lot of people and he probably utilizes their own skills mm. but there's a reason why he's stuck with them and that's because he likes what they do because they're in tune with his own ideas. I, I think he's kind of the opposite of Alex Garland, who's very vocal about letting people breathe in their own creative space and just going with what they want to do. I don't think it's the case with Wes Anderson at all. No. I think he has a painting in his mind for every single shot of the film. And if it's not that, he's doing it again. Yeah, uh, And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I think auteur theory can quite often stray into negative territory about almost like that James Cameron-y, like, no, do it again, do it again. Yeah. I'm going to nail your phone to the wall if it keeps ringing kind of thing. And it's not that at all, because collaboration, if it's with the right person, can go into the idea of as the singular vision. As long, But, um, yeah, no, completely. Yeah, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that yeah. he's, uh, he's a big supporter of that idea. Um, I think you're right. I, 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 you know, I think if you think about particularly filmmaking or the process of filmmaking is quite a hierarchical practice. You know, the director is obviously at the top. Yeah, yeah. And the director, all of the creative decisions go through them. Yeah. And they're the ones that make the sort of key decisions about the direction of, of the film itself in mm, every yeah. department. Yep. And obviously, like you say, some directors are more inclined to trust in the creative impetus of, of, of other individuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas others will... Like you say, pick the ones they like because they best service their own yeah, impulses, yeah. or yeah. indeed their perhaps their creative impulses are just more compatible with their own. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's difficult to know without being on the set with him how much of a tyrant or not this guy is. Yeah, you know, no. Yeah. And I think it'd be hard to imagine it on the basis of the end product of his work of, of his processes and the yeah. process he shares with others. It'd be hard to imagine him being a tyrant, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? Completely. Everyone, yeah, yeah. You, know, you say the top bundled up with the tires. He's there, like I said, oat milk smashing yeah, it on the floor. Yeah, pissing yeah. on a runner because they put all cress in his sandwich <laughs> or something. You know, but yeah. No, I, I think at least you know on an artistic level, and the fact that his fucking work, you know, I mean, again, it's very thematically and visually familiar and similar. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I mean that mostly positively. And I know He's you like feel Picasso, differently about that. It? Yeah, he is like the kind of film version of Picasso. It's like you look at a Picasso and you're like, oh, that's a Picasso. It's yeah. not like, um, I don't know, some like more of an impressionist artist who you might get, you know, apart from maybe Monet or something with his like water lilies, but most of their paintings bleed into each other because the style is similar and 
yet yeah no his his stands out like a sore thumb yeah so to the polls then yes so uh when i was sat in the cinema before the film uh i like to get all the polls out because mm. it stops me to watch the god-awful adverts um <laughs> So uh, I put a poll out saying, what would you like to see Old Wes do next? 13% said more of the same. 87% said something different. Right. So again, I mean, this is only, what, 100 or so followers. So is it a microcosm for the cinematic attitudes (laughs) of an entire... Of the masses, enough people, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> to be fair, there's probably been studies that have yeah. of similar numbers that have yeah. probably guided a lot more important things. Pharmaceuticals, and yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, quite. That is interesting. I'm glad, and I hope that uh, um, that sentiment gets somehow brought across to not not specifically with this podcast, but I hope that he somehow get kind of gets that from maybe this audience reception to Asteroid City. Uh, and it does make something different because I'd go and watch that. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. and you'd be hopeful of you know of of something good as well. You wouldn't go, oh, he's doing something new. I hope it's shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, a few comments as well. I also asked if people you know liked Wes Anderson and what it was they liked about him. Lee said, "So beloved Lee, uh, if you want to hear his voice, uh, or if you don't know his voice." Listen to our uh, uh, Canon Films episodes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Canon Films <laughs> episode because that will give you some indication what his voice is like. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> angelic. Uh, he said, "I think he's an artist who's, who has a style that he's honed for nearly thirty years. It's not for everyone, and may be grating to some, but a filmmaker should embrace a style if it works for him. It has been ruined by memes and copies." But when films are getting more and more generic, it's nice to see someone actually standing out. Plus, I like flawed father figures in his work. Uh, there you go. Okay, that's Sorry for the bombardment he then it's finishes just... with. But no, <laughs> that is a welcome bombardment. Yeah, no, that's quite good. I, I do, I, I kind of see where he's coming from in that. But like, whereas I think the his style is quite, it's not generic at all. It's really unique, but there's so much of it. There's a lot of examples of it now that I kind of see it as a cliche. Whereas what Lee's saying is, it is a it stands apart from cliche because it is so different. That's kind of interesting. Fair play, Lee. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's yeah. Following on from that, Alfie mm. says uh, he's one of a kind. His style is so singular, and there are no substitutes for the real thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, say what you will, level what you will at old Wesley, but I mean, mm. at the end of the day, if people try and do something similar to him, people are just gonna they're just gonna get called out for it. Oh yeah, immediately. Which again yeah. is interesting on the basis that you know so many filmmakers influence so many other filmmakers in yeah. pretty sort of unsubtle ways at, at times, mm. and yet with Wes Anderson, he has this almost shield around him that prevents that. Yeah, maybe it's because he leans so much into these things. Yeah, that an attempt to copy it would just be seen. It's like only one person can do this because it'd be too much. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, even down to the camera work alone. Even if the film itself was like a kind of lit like a David Lynch uh, film or David Fincher or whatever, yeah. if the camera works doing that, you know, the pan, the the quick pan, then the dolly, then the quick pan, and then the up and then the down, it you'd be like, oh, that's like where's a Wes Anderson film. Immediately yeah. you'll be cued into that. Yeah, yeah. Of how unique it is. So yeah, there you go. Mm. Dale says uh, maybe I have not seen many of his films. Grand Bud. Is great. I yeah. assume he's Grand Budapest and not some sort of stoner film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just know him for his colour grades. Oh, okay. So, you know, Dale will be coming from that, uh, from a technical perspective. And again, hard to argue with him on his brilliance in that department. No, very true. Yeah, it's very, 
I, I, someone I know worked on the French Dispatch, and there's a, a the software for color grading is called Baselight, and it works in layers. Apparently, it had like hundreds of grade strips, like hundreds of layers of. So, I mean, clearly, yeah, very meticulous. Clearly, not easy. So, yeah, I do agree on that front. Yeah, the color grading is uh, is. I mean, especially with Asteroid City, actually, really unique and clearly not easy. <laughs> so, no, fair enough. And yeah. we talk about that sort of playful style and that almost um, there's a certain irreverence in a way, isn't there? Yeah. But yeah. obviously, to achieve that, there's a lot of hard work even then, isn't there? I mean, oh my god, yeah. You'll have to have yeah that poor old base light. It's going to crash a lot if there's hun- like a hundred oh grade yeah. strips on it. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Um, should we move on to Asteroid City then? Because there's a few comments here about Asteroid City, and I'll, I'll try and thread them through the discussion about the film. Yeah, yeah. So, given on what we sort of talked about on the basis of his stylistic and thematic approach, mm. I've said that a lot. No, <laughs> no, yeah, that's uh, right. But they're key things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, what were your initial feelings and thoughts about the film? Uh, okay, yeah. I, I mean, it's it goes without saying I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I didn't. I did not get the kind of artist and the sort of the story element you mentioned earlier about the the kind of the writer and the, the writer's plight. It, it, that went way over my head. I was confused by the vignette of uh, the Edward Norton side of things and Adrian Brody, although I did quite like him in it. I always like him in anything he's in, really. Yeah. Um, Where's he gone, by the way? I don't know, because he won an Oscar in 2002. I mean, he he seems to, like, come out of the darkness for Wes Anderson, but he's not... I saw him, like, in a, he's been in a few, like, bargain bin action films, I think. Yeah, he has, yeah. So what's yeah. happened there? I'm not sure. I really... Uh, it's odd. He's, and he's talented. He's a good actor. Really good. Great he was actor. in Blonde, actually. Uh, he's good in Blonde. He plays Arthur Miller in Blonde, and that, that's a really genuinely okay. great performance um so he crops up occasionally but it is occasionally and worryingly occasionally yeah because, because I, like yeah. it felt like if you win an oscar in a film like the pianist i mean obviously yeah. i know the the, the, the you know the, the polanski attachments obviously not going to do you many favors but <laughs> no yeah i think ultimately if you just focus on him mm. he's good in the movie isn't yeah he? yeah yeah he's brilliant uh um, he was also pretty good in king kong yeah, yeah, I, I like that King, King Kong. Kong. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know why Peter people. Jackson's yeah, yeah, I like that film. Yeah, same actually. Yeah, where is he? Bring back bro- the Broadster. Yeah, hashtag yeah. Bring back Broadster. <laughs> See that? That'll be our first post on our Threads account. Yeah, <laughs> bring, bring back, back the Broadster. Yeah. yeah, it's the still from him from the film Predators. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. Uh, I yeah. So initial thoughts on Asteroid City: confused, irritated because it was. Was Anderson squared in a lot of aspects. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I liked the scene where with the the alien. I actually really liked that. It was a like a breath of fresh air, I was, and because it's stop motion animated, I think. Um, and there's yes. quite a, yeah, there's quite a good joke earlier involving Jeff Gold uh, Goldblum, who has a little cameo, which I found quite funny. Um, that was a great little moment, but yeah, largely I did think it was more of the same. Really, God, the characters were just to me insufferable. And were devoid of any kind of like. I mean, there's a sort of story about a, a dead, the dead recently deceased mother in it, mm. which I thought had potential at the beginning, but for me, didn't really go anywhere. No, admittedly, um, that doesn't really go anywhere. No, no and I, th- I thought his attempts to 
wrangle humour out of something which is quite tragic, were a bit misguided and not that funny either. Um, his use of sort of ad- like an adolescent boys standing stock still and staring into the distance and like just yeah again like we were saying earlier that sort of monosyllabic tone that he employs all the time i was like oh fuck i can't i can't do it like i cannot sit through this (laughs) i really really struggle with that and it's in every one of his films and um yeah the top button thing um just yeah i didn't didn't like it overall uh at all (laughs) um there's some good shots at the beginning of a train uh, some of which were models and some of which weren't. The set design was interesting. Some of it harkened back to what I consider to be like a bad school play. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's part of his charm and I can understand that. And um, yeah, how long have I been talking? Quite a while. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. No, no. Yeah, um, that's my, yeah, that's my initial take from it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't find any themes and ideas in it really. Um, and so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on on that side of it mm. were really well firstly i'd like to I, i'd start by agreeing with you sorry yeah. um, <laughs> uh that you know that i think the the the, the dead mum thing was pointless um completely, completely pointless. that was i think was understood that is worst yep. don't be wrong like you know i was about to say i'm all for a dead a dead <laughs> for a dead mum yeah, yeah. for a dead mum in films <laughs> no you yeah. know if if you can convey that humor successfully then and you can earn it, you can earn that right yeah, to, yeah. to frame it com- comically, then yeah, fair play. But I think in this instance, it didn't really serve the characters or the wider narrative in any particular depth. No, yeah. Uh, and I think, again, it served, I think, sort of Wes Anderson's worst impulses, certainly in his inclusion of humour or attempting to get pumped too much humour into his films. Yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely funnier when he litters the more comedic elements in a sparse manner across yeah. his films. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So I completely agree with you there. Um I felt the film was about uh, the sort of the agony of the unknown. Um, yeah, okay. And the sort of way in which artists or creatives and scientists are trying to sort of unpick that mm. unknown. Okay, and, yeah. You know, and does that, does that extend to Edward Norton's scenes as well? So yeah. Is, is he trying to tap into the unknown as well? I think so. Like, I think, yeah. you know, and I... I I think it's one of the few times in, in, in Anderson's career where the use of that sort of meta meta stuff with the play and mm-hmm. the, the, the film being, you know, the, the play, so the play is being planned and then acted and then everything we see in Asteroid City is the is play. Is the play, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, a bit disjointed, um, but I, I quite see, liked yeah. that in terms of when it, when you consider it in the, through the lens of that theme, the idea of like the role of good art and good create is to try and unpick the unknown and not necessarily find the answers for it either mm, it's okay. trying to get a, a bit closer to the inexplicable you know that understanding that explicit that sort of the unknowable feelings within you, you can't quite articulate mm. both good and bad you know yeah, when, you, when yeah. you're impacted by a really good piece of art regardless if it's a movie or whatever like you know there's lots you can understand why you like you like it but there's lots you can't Okay, yeah, and I yeah. like that Wes Anderson is trying to sort of explore that. Okay, yeah, and yeah. I feel like that meta <laughs> element of the film worked really well, okay. as did the inclusion of the sort of the scientific element, even though it's like very twee and dialed to eleven in the way that you expect from Anderson. Is this is this? Are you kind of talking a little bit about? You know, there's an argument towards the beginning about like why does he burn his hand? Mm. Is that 
the point of that then? Is that kind of saying nobody nobody knows why he burns his hand, but he does it, and like there's an intent there, but all that matters to you, the actor, and you, the audience, is that it happens? Yeah, <laughs> Is yeah. that kind of what he's trying yeah, to say? Yeah, right, yeah. okay. Because yeah, that's, the, that's yeah, the exchange yeah. Schwartzman has with no, uh, Brody, Adrian Brody, Brody, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Which I really liked. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Again, I was a big fan of Brody. Bring back Brody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Follow us on threads. <laughs> we don't have a thread. Maybe we should. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um... <laughs> You know, and I I liked that, and it won me, it won me over in a way that I didn't expect. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Because again, I think if you you probably would have guessed from the tone of our the outro of our last episode that I was fully prepared to be like, nah. Yeah, being you know? more critical. Yeah. Um, and again, it unlocked that part of that unlocked that small Wes Anderson box within my brain <laughs> that I sort of just shelve and let get really dusty, and then I get cynical about it, and. It, and that doesn't again. That's not to say that I'd be like, "Oh, this is brilliant" to every one of his films. Mm. But I just found that element worked really, really well. And I particularly liked. I really liked the way he utilized the camera in that small space. Yeah. I think it's one of the smallest spaces he's worked in. The film feels more, a bit more confined in that regard, and it almost gives it to me anyway. You get a bit more time with the, that space and the characters that inhabit that space. Mm. And through their interactions, you get a little bit more than you usually would from a Wes Anderson character. Uh, okay, yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you in the sense a lot of it's still quite monosyllabic. Yeah. A lot of it's stilted and the the characters lay their, all of their sort of demons and other stuff out on you know, early, early doors. doors yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, I think there's something in, in that sort of confined space that he operates in, in Asteroid City, which is like a small cluster of buildings around a, a highway. Yeah, yeah. The way he moves that camera around, I think he extracts something more that's diff- that's on a sort of deeper level than all this, that stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it sort of just worked for me. Like, I really, I quite liked the interactions with Johansson and, Sh- uh, Scott Johansson and Schwartzman. Schwartzman, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Again, she's sort of, he's sort of playing these archetypes, you know, the, the troubled artist, you know, mm. which is something he taps into with the French Dispatch. Um, how, like, you know, troubled artists almost like submerge themselves in their own struggles. Okay, yeah, uh, and it's almost become like a, a sort of like like a trope, like a really right. shitty trope of a creative that they have to be like besieged by existential angst, or <laughs> yeah. have to have some horrible dark past in, for them to make good stuff. Mm. Or have demons, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think he sort of, you know, he takes the piss out of that, but is also very supportive of it at the same time. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, I see, yeah, I see that. Which I also really liked. Thing. Yeah, There were things that annoyed me, like Schwart- the guy playing Schwartzman's son, I wasn't that keen on him. No. I thought he was like, if you typed in into AI, yeah, an yeah. AI generator, give yeah. me a Wes Anderson character in its purest form, it exactly. would be him. Exactly, yeah, that's it. Um, and that sort of bothered me. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I didn't really see a lot of what he was doing. Um, he was, wasn't he just like, they're all just kind of a, a cluster of child geniuses, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And um, none of them, I mean, there's a bit where they play like a game where they have to remember names. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's only an hour forty-three as well. <laughs> Dragging on. <laughs> yeah. I do yeah, not yeah. care about your stupid game. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah no, I actually I do agree with you though that Schwartzman. I think Schwartzman was the most interesting out of all the characters, followed closely by Scarlett Johansson's character. Uh, Scarlett Johansson plays like an actress, doesn't she? Yeah, like, um, a stage actress. Yeah, that's right. Who's like obviously, like you say, kind of troubled, and he plays like a, a war photographer who's used to photographing 
used to photographing things as they happen and he's now greeted with a world in which nothing is happening fast mm, <laughs> so yeah, he's yeah, kind yeah. of he, he has to, like there's a bit where he has to ask permission for her picture i quite like that and i like that exchange and i like their kind of budding romance i thought it ended with a dud because scarlett hunter just fucks off <laughs> yeah, and then leaves, yeah. l- like leaves him her address and i was like i kind of wanted their moment where they drive away, away together in the sunset even though obviously that's like a massive cliche i kind of thought that would have worked better but she just leaves i was like what oh right okay. yeah yeah that's gone then um yeah. Anyway, nah, I I see see what you're saying. Tom Hanks as well. He was quite he, good there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Tom Hanks is one of those people like um, they're like a few actors or people that everyone universally loves, and that by their nature makes them annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Tom Hanks is one of those people that everyone fucking loves. Yeah, yeah. And I just every time I hear his name, it doesn't necessarily make me not want to watch the film. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make me necessarily think he doesn't have a good performance in him because he absolutely definitely does. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, it just immediately, there's that sort of twatty part of me that goes, <laughs> gets my back up about it. Yeah, but yeah. He was quite good in it, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, I liked him. And he played against type a little bit. He didn't play someone that was that likeable. No. Um, which is sort of, I know he played a cat film recently where he played someone like that, but it looked fucking shit. I can't even remember the name of the film, but a man called Otto. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I so know. that classic sort of old guy needs to have his like heart, yeah, that sort of ice around his heart melted. Yeah. He's been in a lot of films like that. Like he was in a film which apparently was quite good. I never watched a, a Good Day in the Neighborhood or something like right, that. Right, not good, even that. Uh, and then he didn't he play Walt Disney in something as well. He or, played um, who's the guy who wears the red jumpers. He was on American TV for a long time. That's the yeah, um, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he played him. Um, I mean, he's. I think he's a great actor. Like you know, Bridge of Spies, Castaway. Obviously, like you know, I even quite like Forrest Gump actually. Um, uh, although it hasn't aged tremendously well, but uh, yeah, I do agree with you. He, he sometimes you're like, oh, this is good. He kind of Disneyfies things. Sometimes yeah, like, yeah. he's kind of America's or dad <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, it can be a bit of a hit or miss situation with him recently I'd say post like 2010 maybe mm. his roles have started to teeter a bit more toward that sort of Disney yeah Disney yeah heartwarming shit which doesn't really work um, but yeah he can surprise you you know yeah agreed yeah 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 I also quite like the use of music in Astro okay. City yeah yeah I thought it was quite nice there's some there's something Cohen esque about it. I felt okay, yeah, and yeah. It's funny we sort of talk about the desert um, setting, right? Yeah, we we talk about these sort of um, eccentric American filmmakers. I think the early Cohens, right? They definitely fit in there. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Um, and I think their influence on that on that sort of that, that, that sort of southern twang mm. uh, in in Asteroid City is, I feel, is quite prevalent. Yeah, um, yeah. Particularly in the musical numbers, the s- small little musical numbers. I quite like them actually. There's quite a nice moment, uh, a sort of a budding relationship between this cowboy character and a teacher. Yeah, it's quite sweet. Yeah, yeah throwaway yeah. moment. I'd like that. I would have liked that to be expanded on a little bit. If anything, I thought that yeah. could have encompassed more of like a half an hour section of the film mm. on its own. Um, that was one of its strengths, and uh, music is a big part of that and their kind of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's quite a f- reasonably funny, I think, anyway, uh, 
song in it which kind of just happens out of nowhere uh yeah no i agree uh, maybe there's something to be said about that with wellinson like the throwaway moments that he doesn't develop are often the best things yeah 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 and if he lingers on something for too long i think maybe he shows the elements that don't sort of necessarily work but mm, yeah maybe there's something in that maybe yeah yeah that's maybe why french dispatch worked for me because the vignettes were small enough to yeah not overstay their welcome there's always like i mean this is an odd example but there's a yeah, there's quite a, there's a spate in sort of the mid two thousands of films that had three stories and they all interconnected. Oh, right? yeah, that so was a big like, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, you always had your favourites. I always had my favourite story, like Babel. My favourite story about the out of the three was the deaf girl. Oh yeah, and that was always the reason I watched that film again and again and again was mainly because of that story. And then there's two other stories happening at the same time. You kind of had to endure almost. <laughs> yeah, uh, to okay, get right. to the good stuff. But yeah, they, yeah, okay. You couldn't. You couldn't just kind of you can't edit the other bits out so you have to watch it as a whole and who knows maybe it wouldn't work without those other elements as well so yeah okay so before we close our remarks on the film let's turn to the the febrile masses <laughs> alex from the film angle yep says i fucking hate it, <laughs> I'm not doing it. you're too oh. nice uh, i think we all got excited by sci-fi anderson film but it was essentially sci-fi light lean harder into a genre Ooh, I agree with that. Yeah. As I said earlier, the alien bit was my favourite bit as well. And if he lent harder into that, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I totally yeah, see what you're saying there, Alex. Yeah, um, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there was something about that moment of like separated so far from reality that kind of inhabited a genre in a in quite a kind of naff, uh, almost hilariously naff way like the way mm. that ufo moves and stuff yeah like, like, yeah oh, i'm bored with this yeah there you go yeah jess mm. uh says uh, better story next time maintain quality in set design okay so you're yeah. not alone in you know people not necessarily being bowled over by yeah, sort just of narrative sort of, devices employed in the film no so really fractured actually quite difficult to follow because of how uh, just how Wes Anderson it is yeah totally agree Alfie again yep. says Astro City completes a thematic trilogy with Grand Budapest and French Dispatch okay so okay. maybe there's some sort of justification there for the overt similarities in the sense there is like a trilogy there's like a through mm. line through them okay yeah yeah a trilogy where he's just going all out yeah, double doubling down on on his style. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, cool. So there we go. The masses have spoken. Thank you very much for. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, uh, please do keep commenting. It's always really nice to hear what people have to say. Yeah, about uh, about various movies as we as we review them as we quest the celluloid realm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Outro. Outro. Questing the cinematic void. There, we, we have it then. We oh, <laughs> there we have it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we have it then. Uh, good to talk about old Wes. I know um, we're sort of a bit split on him, but mm. you know he's a he's a mainstay at the moment and a huge voice in American cinema. Yeah, I do find him fascinating. Yeah, uh, in just like what we were saying earlier about how he can capture so many people's mm. imaginations, uh, you wouldn't expect that from. From a filmmaker whose style is so, so rigid and so against type. So it yeah. is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting to see what he does next, I guess. Yeah, do, my, do my German spy If he does, yeah. you, would you be a bit annoyed? I actually you? would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, this is exactly what happened with, do you remember World War Z? Yeah. Right? 
So I made, when I was 12 or 13, I made a zombie film uh, that concerned a plane crash that happened in Wales and there was a zombie on the plane. And that's exactly what happens in the third act of World War Z. And I maintain that they saw my... 12 year old sort of four, I think it might have been 14 <laughs> put it on YouTube yeah put it on YouTube uh, and yeah, then you three go, years see. later fucking Mark Forster must have seen it and be like I like that plane crash in Wales the whole third act of World War Z I was like this is like the thing I did <laughs> <laughs> with no money on holiday one one year um, there you go uh, unbelievable so yeah let it be known now I'll be simultaneously mesmerised and also really, really annoyed with you, Wes. If you uh, if you do my um, if you do my kind of uh, French liberation post World War Two or well, nearly post World War Two German sniper film. <laughs> that should be the title of the film as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Wes Anderson title to title like that. Maybe yeah, part of it in brackets or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on then. Mm. It's been a bit of a busy time, scheduling yeah. sake. Um, so, unfortunately, for that reason, we're going to have to drop Mission Impossible, yeah. which is a shame because I'm a huge fan. Yeah. However, we feel like that would also work well as a an episode on its own. So, yeah, a discussion yeah. about the 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 just the franchise as a whole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe when it comes out on streaming or something, we can tie it into that, and we could maybe take some time to watch a fair few of them again. Yes, and yeah. I have seen all of them, obviously, bar the new one. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I think I've got most of them on Blu-ray, so we can maybe have like a, just a day of oh, watching nice. Mission Impossible films. That'd be quite <laughs> yeah. good. I'll be up for that. Like yeah. the sort of. Uh, uh, Alan Partridge Bondathon. Yeah, it would be yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. I'll bring some Sunny D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the Blu-rays, I'd be so devastated. Oh, so yeah, we'll, we'll shelve that. But by no means does that mean it's going to gather dust mm. and never be see the light of day. Because we're both big Mission Impossible fans, yeah. and also it'd be interesting to talk about Tom Cruise as well. Because he's a curious artifact in a way, yeah. in the way he conducts himself as a Hollywood star, yeah, both on screen and off. Yeah, Tim and how that makes him different to pretty much everyone else in Hollywood, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, enough of that. We'll talk about that another time. However, we felt it best to leave Ethan Hunt in the dust in mm. favour of Oppenheimer yes. and Barbie. Yeah, yeah. Two films that have been, I guess because they're released on the same day, have been coupled together with each other. Yeah, there's for a quite thing. Sort of, yeah, meme-worthy reasons. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think Warner, because of Barbie's Warner Brothers. Ah. And Nolan has left Warner Brothers of famously yeah. uh, for, for them and their releasing strategy. I genuinely think there might be some bad blood between them because to piss him off, they they're releasing their film on the same day as his. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's clearly going to pay off because I think Barbie is on track to beat it, which uh-huh. isn't surprising because Barbie isn't R-rated uh, and Oppenheimer is. Oppenheimer is going to you know the, the themes in Oppenheimer are quite hefty, so even if it does really well. I think Barbie will beat it. I think that's intentional. You know, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I also think this sort of that marketing strategy is almost sort of backfired in the sense that people are pairing the films together. Yeah, yeah. Like watch watch Barbie first, and then watch up and all the other way. I can't which way they're saying, but they're almost saying that these films work. Well, you've got one really heavy film about yeah. one of the most pivotal moments in human history, yeah. most harrowing moments in human history, yeah. and Barbie. I know, you know, <laughs> which apparently is pretty good. I mean, I, I, again, I don't really have. My relationship to Barbie is obviously through the lens of watching my sisters play okay, with Barbies. Yeah, so yeah. I, um, 
Not now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, apparently, you know, it's Gerwig, man. I mean, she's obviously she's gonna yeah, she's gonna do some good stuff with no, anything. Bamba screenplay as well. Oh, so. is it? Okay, yeah, well there yeah. we go then. I'm not sure which order we'll do it in. Yeah. Um, but rest assured, both of those episodes will be out soon. Hopefully, yeah, definitely. Yeah, look forward to it. In the meantime, uh, have a lovely week, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you then. Lots of love. Bye bye. Bye bye.